The first week of professional baseball was filled with game highlights and intriguing stories. It's impossible for us to know them all. Some are unknown to most of us. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! We just wrapped up the first week of games in professional baseball and the first weekend of a series of games in the 2022 Major League Baseball season. And there were plenty things to see, plenty things to read about. And if you were watching, listening, reading, one thing you noticed were plenty of strikeouts. I saw this interesting note on Twitter Friday. Major League Baseball registered a total of 124 strikeouts yesterday. Same number Tony Gwynn posted over his final eight seasons. Now, there weren't even a full slate of games played on that day, and yet the same number of strikeouts on that day as Tony Gwynn had his final eight seasons. That is absolutely remarkable. So remarkable that I thought, I better make sure. And sure enough, that was the case. Tony Gwynn had a phenomenal career, and something like this just reminds us how great of a hitter he was. Now, full disclosure, this failed to mention that during that time, those final eight seasons, Gwynn only had 3,098 at-bats. After the first series has been completed, only one team, the Tampa Bay Rays, are still able to go undefeated, and one team, the Baltimore Orioles, are on pace to lose 162 games. As I've mentioned many times, I'm not much for predictions, but I will boldly predict that the Rays will not go undefeated in 2022, and the Orioles will not lose every single game. I do think the Rays will be a good team. I do believe the Orioles will be a very bad team for yet another year. Now, if you had a chance to actually watch, not simply listen to, but watch games, you may have seen the Pitchcom technology being used. And what it is, is it's something that has been approved by Major League Baseball to be used in the 2022 season. As the season has started, about half the teams have decided to use it. Half, at least for the time being, have decided not to use it. And it is a device that is on the the, the glove side wrist of the catcher in which he can put into that device the pitch and the location. And there's a transmitter that gives then an audible voice, fastball up and in, into the transmitter that is in, I believe, the hat of the pitcher. I also believe middle infielder, center fielder, and even third baseman. And I watched a few games where this was being used. As I mentioned, some teams use it, some teams don't. Even the teams that are using it, sometimes certain pitchers will use it and other pitchers pitchers won't. But I heard it was approved. I heard it was going to be used. So I thought, well, let's see. How is this going to work? Will teams use it only with runners on base? How are they going to use it? Well, what I saw is those that use it, they use it in every situation, whether runners are on base or not. 
And the first game that I watched it being used was opening day. It was the Brewers in Wrigley uh, against the Cubs. Corbin Burns was pitching for Milwaukee. Omar Navarez was catching. And I watched these two use this device. And it was amazing. Navarez oftentimes was giving the signal to Corbin before Corbin ever even stepped on the rubber. Before Navarez sometimes was squatting behind the plate. Many times before the batter was in the batter's box. It worked exceptionally well. Now, the one thing I did notice is that Corbin was putting his glove over the left side of his head, over his ear and his hat. Again, I think the transmitter is placed in the hat. And I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. It is Wrigley Field and opening day, but it wasn't a packed house and it wasn't overly loud. And I thought, will this be a problem when a stadium is very, very loud, in particular, an enclosed stadium? I don't know the answer to that. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But what I saw is I saw something that worked exceptionally well. Now, on Sunday, I happened to tune in to part of the Brewers game as well, and uh, Brent Suter came into pitch, and I thought to myself, okay, here's a guy that works as fast or faster than anybody in baseball. Uh, Steve Klein, a pitching coach with the Brewers, used to say about Brent Suter, he pitches like he's double-parked. And I thought, okay, is Suter going to use this? And he did, and I thought, he might throw a ball before the umpire, batter, or catcher already. That didn't happen. But I tell you what, this has got the potential of being very effective. We'll have to see how it all plays out. We'll have to see about those teams that right now are reluctant, how they'll go, how they'll use it or not use it going forward. I was very glad to see, and if you saw it, I hope you were very glad as well, Justin Verlander getting back on the mound and pitching a game for the first time since late July 2020. And he had Tommy John surgery later in that 2020 season. And he had a great start for the Astros facing the Angels. He went five innings, three hits, one run, three walks, seven strikeouts. Did very well physically afterwards, said he felt fine. Outstanding return for Justin Verlander, a first ballot surefire Hall of Famer. Now he lost... He was out-dueled in this game by Noah Syndergaard, who made his first start for the Angels, and the Angels won 2-zip. But great to see Justin Verlander back out there on the mound. Last week, I guaranteed that we would see something during the 2022 baseball season that we had never seen before, because that's baseball. Well, it didn't take long for that to happen. Opening day in Detroit ended like this. Baez singled his last time up. In a one-for-four afternoon. To right field. Deep. Pollock backpedaling. At the wall and... Oh! He catch it, he did! It bounced out Might have of hit the wall, and then he grabbed it. Baez claiming it hit the wall. Well, AJ's going to come out and have him take a look at it. Or laterally, let's take a look. We'll get a look right here. Oh, it hits off the wall. It hit off the wall, didn't it? Yeah, so that's got to be a game winner. Ricocheted off his glove, then it looked like... But it, it hit, hit the wall, wall first, right? Baez said it right away. There they come. The crowd knows it, and so do the Tigers. So this was the situation. The Tigers were hosting the Chicago White Sox. It was the bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, the game was tied 4-4. Javier Baez comes to the plate, hits a deep fly ball to right field. Well, the right fielder for the White Sox is A.J. Pollock, 
and he jumps up, and at first it appears as if the ball hits off his glove, and then he does a great job, kind of like a receiver on a tip ball, stays with it and makes the catch. So it appears at first that Baez is out, the inning is over, we're going into extra innings, tie ball game. But then when you saw the video and you could hear the replay of the video taking place there and them waiting for the umpires to make the final call, you could see that actually the ball had ricocheted off the right field wall first, then hit Pollock's glove, then he made the catch, which is no longer a catch, and after review, walk-off single. Baez gets the hit, Tigers get the win 5-4. to four. I've never seen anything like that happen prior to opening day in Detroit. If you're like me and you live east of the Mississippi, sometimes we have a tendency to neglect the games that take place on the West Coast, especially when they're being played late at night and most of us are in bed. But you may want to pay attention. I know this weekend you wanted to pay attention because a lot of great things happened on the West Coast. And also there's a team on the West Coast, the Seattle Mariners, who have one of the best young players in Major League Baseball who is making his debut during this 2022 season. And that is 21-year-old center fielder Julio Rodriguez. That's Julio Rodriguez leading off the top of the ninth. There you go, first base hit for Julio. He's digging for two, and he's going to get there. Tying run at second base. Julio Rodriguez, get that baseball. First major league knock, always a thrill. Let's stay on the West Coast. Let's move south down from Seattle. It did not take Carlos Rodon much time, matter of fact, no time, to, to, to endear himself to San Francisco Giants fans. And he struck him out. His 12th strikeout in five innings. You heard that right. 12 strikeouts in five innings. His first start as a Giant facing the Marlins. And eight of his first 10 outs were via the strikeout. And I saw some of that game, some of the highlights of that game, and Rodon was bringing some serious heat. I mean, he was consistently 97, 98, 99. And and again, velocity is always good, but I mean, he had life on not only his fastball, but all his pitches, and therefore the 12 strikeouts in five innings. Hey, we're on a roll, so let's continue moving down the Pacific Ocean further south. Did you see how the Padres season began, both opening day and then game two? So on opening day, you Darvish pitched for San Diego, and he went six innings without giving up a hit. The next day, Sean Manaya starts for the Padres. He goes seven innings of no-hit baseball. And in both cases, first-year manager Bob Melvin, first year for the Padres, that is. Obviously, he's been managing for a long time pulled his starters out in both Game 1, opening night, or opening day, and Game 2, when they had no hitters. And really, he did not have much of a choice. Given everything, the shortened spring training, the first start of the year, pitch counts and all of that, there wasn't really much he could do about it. But that was exciting to see. Did you see that post that was on social media by Bobby Bell? Let me read it for you. I pray this isn't taken wrong. It makes me sad that we base a player's mindset, heart, spirit, etc. on something called technology. I do believe it is important and does help the player develop. But what about relationships with the athletes? 
What about someone sitting in a cage on a hot night after a game talking to a player about issues outside the game? How about the staff member convincing a kid to please not give up and to keep fighting through the tough times? I've been around staff that's in it for the player and many that are in it for themselves. Trust me, the player knows. Cooper Hummel, despite what people thought, you have proved to yourself and others that it doesn't matter what size, round, position, or lack thereof, that if you believe you can achieve. Congrats, kid. Much love. Now, you are likely saying right now, I don't have any idea who Bobby Bell or Cooper Hummel are. Well, we'll get back to Bobby Bell in a minute. But first, let me introduce you to Cooper Hummel. Fly ball, right center. Cooper Hummel! How about that? It's gone. His first major league hit is a home run for Cooper Hummel. How about that? Just kept carrying and carrying. Went out on the home run porch out there. High fives and big smiles for Cooper. His first big league hit is a home run. That hit took place yesterday, Sunday, in the ninth inning. Uh, Cooper had that first hit, again, a three-run homer. It was a bomb. It was over the deepest part of the ballpark or out of the deepest part of the ballpark in Arizona. But that post was made prior to that. That post was made either Thursday or Friday. And it was made because Cooper Hummel made the Major League roster for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I got a chance to see Cooper Hummel come into professional baseball. He was an 18th round pick back in 2016. And at the time, I roved the first half of the season and then went to Helena, Montana to be the pitching coach the second half of the season. And Cooper was drafted as a catcher. And he came into Helena that year, right out of college. And he is a guy that is very outgoing, very likable, a hard worker, Uh, eager to learn, asking questions almost nonstop. It was just a delight to be around him. But listen to this. His first season in Helena, he batted 177 with one home run in a league and in a ballpark that is hitter-friendly. He then kind of got removed from catching. He still caught, but they, they played around with him a little bit. Then he went to left field and spent most of his time in left field. Uh, primarily used as a left fielder. He continued battling his way. I think he spent two years in high A ball. And then in 2019, had a a breakout year in double A. I think he had 17 home runs. He reached triple A with the Brewers. And then last year was traded to Arizona. And after getting to triple A in Reno with Arizona, hit 353. And this year made that big league team. And that's why Bobby Bell posted what he did on social media. Now, who is Bobby Bell? Well, let me, let me talk about some of the men that responded to the post of Bobby Bell first. Dave Chavaria, Jeff Bodenheimer, Bob Misick, and Bob Malacki. Now, if you were a big baseball fan in the late 80s and early 90s, or an Orioles fan during that time, you'll say, oh, I remember Bob Malacki. He was a good big league pitcher. Bobby Bell, Dave Chavaria, Jeff Bodenhammer, Bob Misick, don't know who they are. That's right. None of them ever played in the big leagues. None of them ever coached in the big leagues. One of them, Bodenhammer's not even a coach. He's a trainer. Well, who are these men? These are men who poured into the life of Cooper Hummel in various ways. 
Bobby Bell the most. He was a hitting coach in Carolina when Cooper was there. And like I said, I believe he spent two seasons in Carolina, which was high A ball at the time. And Bobby Bell poured into this young man who loved to be poured into. Like I said, he was eager to learn. He was ready to work. And this is the kind of story, the work that a Bobby Bell and these other men I mentioned have put into Cooper, Cooper Hummel, the kind of a story about Cooper Hummel overcoming all of the odds. The odds are stacked against anybody, just raw statistics, anybody coming into professional baseball, making it to the major leagues, but especially somebody of his stature. I think he's, I don't know, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, somebody that really doesn't have a position per se. And this is a great, great story. It's the kind of story that very few people see, names that very few people hear of. And there are some players like Cooper who overcome all of the odds and make it to the major leagues. And there are some coaches like Bobby Bell, who few have ever heard of, but who spent their time and really poured their lives into young men like Cooper. And some of these young men become major leaguers. Most of them never do. But there are so many takeaways from this story. So many takeaways from the post that Bobby Bell put up either the day before or on opening day. As I mentioned again and again and again, baseball, the game itself, but in particular professional baseball, which we have a tendency to see more, is a microcosm of our society. And God has blessed us with the ability to play it and to watch it, not simply for our entertainment and enjoyment, though definitely for those things, but for recreation, for refreshment, for reflection, for life lessons. Think about some of the things Bobby Bell wrote. Relationships matter. Mentoring is vital. And it's not just about the person's vocation. right? He mentioned being in the cage after the game. So you're out there supposedly working on hitting, and yet he's talking to these young men about things that have nothing directly to do with baseball. Be a Barnabas. Encourage others to fight, to not quit, to not give up, to persevere through tough times. And it's not just baseball players. Most people know whether you're in it for that person or if you're in it for yourself. People know. And ultimately, you could ask that question, are you in it for the glory of God or are you in it for yourself? Another thing, despite what people think and say, each of us should pursue with a passion what the Lord has called us to do. And also, many people involved in helping others go virtually unnoticed by most. All of those things are true about this story about, in particular, Bobby Bell and Cooper Hummel. And it is true about stories throughout baseball. And it is true throughout life. And each of us should be involved in these kinds of relationships with somebody somewhere, whether we're more in the coach's position or the player's position, or we're a little bit of both. And a great place to start would be striving and encouraging one another to live in line with what is revealed in creation, our conscience, and God's word. It's the need of the hour. Despite what the world, which has gone completely insane, may say or do, it's worth fighting for. It's worth living for. It's worth dying for. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.